This podcast is brought to you by Coverlease. Your CRE risk depends on your data. Unlock it with Coverlease. Developed by banking and CRE industry veterans, Coverlease allows you to capture and catalog all your CRE data and gain deep insights into market activity through aggregated benchmarking and trending analytics, which were created in consultation with the RMA's Model Validation Consortium. Coverlease helps you make better informed underwriting decisions, optimizes the appraisal, evaluation, and validation process, and quantifies the risk profile of your CRE portfolio. To learn more about Coverlease and receive an exclusive offer for RMA podcast listeners. Visit coverlease.com backslash RMA. Welcome to Risk Management Association podcast series. I'm Linda Tuck Chapman, CEO of Third Party Risk Institute and a subject matter expert. RMA has recently published the second edition of my book, Third Party Risk Management Driving Enterprise Value. There's lots of new content and a couple of new chapters. The focus of today's uh, podcast is actually innovation risk, and this is an excerpt from my book. So the title of today's podcast is Managing Innovation Risk at the Speed of Business. There is a direct correlation between a company's capacity to innovate and its ability to create wealth. We know that companies must innovate or die. While this has always been true, the need to acquire market share, secure new or retain existing sources of revenues, and drive significant reductions in operating costs by embracing innovation, particularly third-party innovation, has the potential to bring more risk than ever before. Embracing third-party innovation in pursuit of corporate goals does not relieve management professionals of their responsibility to design sound processes that enable effective governance and oversight. Uncertainty and the speed of change can be very different when it comes to onboarding third-party innovation. It's helpful to acknowledge this and deliberately modify your organization's third-party risk management practices while ensuring they still fit their intended purpose. Managing innovative third parties as a discrete portfolio of relationships is a sensible approach, but you'll need to thoughtfully adapt risk management practices to continue to protect your organization. So what we'll talk about today, and it's what's covered in a lot more detail in the chapter, is how companies can successfully modify their third-party risk management program to onboard innovative third parties in record time. Now, this is what I call the innovation conundrum. It's all about how to satisfactorily reconcile that need for speed and the need to control risk. Critical thinking, brilliant corporate and business strategies, and a willingness and capability to innovate safely and successfully are essential lifeblood of any company. Innovation may be developed internally, but rarely happens in isolation. More often, innovation relies on relationships with existing and new third parties. They bring specialized expertise, new or better technologies and processes, or access to new markets. Innovation is often inseparable from exposure to risks which are known, new, or unknown. Don't assume that innovation is always driven by startups or small companies. Existing third-party relationships may be fertile ground for innovation, providing third-party is given the opportunity and its needs are respected. In a trusted relationship, innovation ought to be presented from the supplier's wider knowledge and experience and may include introducing solutions from other providers within the supplier's ecosystem to, to increase value. And this is a quote I've taken from IACCM in one of their papers, Supplier-Led Innovation and Continuous Improvement, How to Best Achieve Them in Contracting. Having embraced innovation, many companies have created and regularly fund a discrete innovation investment budget, and others have established an innovation center of excellence. But innovation labs are not limited massive corporations. Nico Harold, Vice President and Business Risk Officer at Bank OZK's Innovation Lab, comments, 
Ideation is fostered in our environment by not only having a direct line to our CEO and board, but by having close relationships with, with those we call our innovation enablers. Innovation enablers are a group of business line executives who not only facilitate our implementation of innovative products, but also provide ideas, guidance, and acceptance criteria for products being successful. Having this relationship with our organization's stakeholders makes our ability to, to deliver innovation with agility and lower risk to the organization, regardless of whether the innovation is a custom created or onboarded from a third party. Now, a recurring complaint from business and IT leaders is that they can't move forward with technology startups and small tech firms in a timely manner because they can't satisfy the risk management requirements embedded in the company's third party risk management program. In organizations with mature programs, cycle time, which is the time it takes to complete activities to identify risk, conduct due diligence, evaluate the strengths of third-party controls, and negotiate the contract, simply doesn't meet the needs of the internal business partners. Now, this comes from Matt Buskard. Matt Buskard is the VP and Director of Vendor Risk Management at Fifth Third Bank, and he describes two common scenarios that a risk management team can face. The first is that the business has a need to implement a proof of concept to stand up a safe environment to test or prove that a third party's innovation technology works as attended. And the second thing commonly faced is that business requests acceleration of standard due diligence processes because the decision has already been made to implement the third party technology or to in fact even to buy the third party. In regulated industries, however, it isn't possible for companies to bypass their own third-party risk management processes. They are required to comply with their own policies, as you would expect, applicable laws and regulations. And their people must maintain senior management, auditors, and regulators' confidence in the third-party risk management program and the company's ability to effectively identify, assess, manage, and control third-party risk. It is misplaced confidence to assume that the third parties routinely identify inherent risks, undertake thorough testing, implement strong controls to bring down the residual risk, and communicate residual risk and required user controls to their customers. After all, think of Boeing's 737 MAX. So solving the innovation conundrum is a very real challenge in every sector, and it can be addressed by collaborating with peers in your sector and beyond. With that in mind, Matt Buskard, Vice President and Director of Vendor Risk Management at Fifth Third Bank, John Sebbing, former Head of Supply Management, and Janice Padini-Curran, also former Senior Management, both formerly with TD Ameritrade, and uh, Senior Vice President and Third Party Risk Management at, at another U.S. bank who I haven't named. These are all members of the, of the RMA's Third Party Risk Management Roundtable. And I asked them to join me to form a working group to figure out how do we address the innovation conundrum. So the problem statement that we crafted was how to safely increase the speed to value for onboarding innovative fintechs by developing an agile and risk-centric sourcing and third-party risk management process that enables the business to onboard the third party to proof of concept within 14 days. Right, so we know sometimes it takes three, four months, so 14 days. So what we learned is the proven best practice for onboarding innovative third parties is to implement a proof of concept, which is a form of research to explore the design, functionality, technical requirements, and architecture before making a final decision to proceed. A proof of concept should be a small-scale, time-bound, and tightly controlled event, and the primary purpose is to prove that the concept, innovation process, or technology is viable and can reasonably be expected to fulfill its intended purpose once it's implemented. 
Now, this is not to be confused with a pilot. A POC should be executed within a secure environment, such as a DMZ. Companies who build DMZs as a safe place to play with their innovation solutions or technologies also protect their core systems, network, networks, and data. A computing DMZ is the old use for, a new use for an old term, which is a demilitarized zone. It's a secure, immediate network, also referred to as a perimeter network because it has limited access to the internal core network. In contrast, the pilot is a final test by a subset of internal intended users of a deployed solution process or technology. It's really kind of a family and friends, uh, dare I run. And pilots usually occur just before you're planning to release it. So you see they're very different than a POC. So if you're going to put a POC innovation lab in place, really there are a number of rules of engagement. And this is really where I don't want to cover all this in a podcast. It's just too much, too much. But uh, it's all covered in quite a lot of detail in chapter nine of the book. But at a high level, strategic investments warrant formal centralized governance. But to be effective, there should be underlying structure with standardized controls and reviewable processes to guide lifecycle management of the innovative third-party relationship. A logical place to start is, with, is to design some basic ground rules, non-negotiable controls, and templated processes. And some of the design elements you wish to consider are forming a POC council, establishing a POC lab charter, having senior leadership in place who can oversee this, to define what, is, what types of projects are eligible, the term, a maximum term of a POC, how you're going to go about risk rating them, defining success criteria, how you pre-screen them for things that you have to do anyway, sanctions, financial health, etc. Uh, define a really well-outlined process for business requirements, set up a standardized toll gates, determine whether or not there's going to be access to live records or customers, to uh, figure out where the service delivery location is going to be, how are you going to fit the cloud, use a cloud in, what are your basic MSA or SOW terms, how are you going to accept the risk, and how are you going to train people on how the, about this process. So to learn more, as I said, please read the second edition of my book, Third-Party Risk Management, Driving Enterprise Value, published by Risk Management Association and available on, uh, on Amazon or directly through rmahq.org. They have a place where you can buy their books. They have lots of them. So anyhow, as I say, this is Linda Tuck Chapman. This is a fascinating topic about managing innovation risk. And I thank you for listening.